Welcome back to another episode of the Next Level Minds podcast. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, my name is Chris Chapman and I am your host. And this is a podcast dedicated to those who want to reach a next level in their business, personal or career life. Every other week, I'm blessed to sit down with a fully qualified guest, entrepreneur, content creator, or mover and shaker in their industry, and really walk through their story of how they've gotten from point A to point B and overcame various adversities along the way. Now, if you have not done this already, please take the time to subscribe to Next Level Minds and share this episode with a family member, friend, or colleague who you think will get some value out of it, because my goal is to impact over 1 million people, and it helps when we have folks share the show. Other than that, I want to go ahead and introduce today's guest. I'm sitting down with Jackie Hermes. She's an entrepreneur who has started her own marketing agency called Excelity. They help business-to-business software companies grow faster. They also implement a ton of different strategies to really help them grow and propel their sales. She has an interesting background of working in corporate America for a little bit. Uh, But what's also super unique about Jackie is that her LinkedIn content is absolutely amazing. She's got a fantastic personal brand where she posts about entrepreneurship, marketing. She talks about her own personal life, her own lessons that she's learned. And all that said, she also hosts her own podcast called The Art of Entrepreneurship. I'm super excited to sit down with Jackie, just pick her brain on how she built her company, dive into some marketing and business strategies a bit. Other than that, though, as we like to say here at Next Level Minds, your mindset is your greatest weapon for the battle of success. Jackie, thanks so much for taking the time to hop on the Next Level Minds podcast. Yes, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is great because I feel like you and I have engaged with each other's LinkedIn content for like a year now. And I'm like, I feel like I know you, but it's like, we've never talked. So this is awesome and everything. Isn't that so weird? People reach out to me all the time and they're like, I feel like I know you. And that's the power of social media. That's why it's so freaking cool to like get to know people. And now I'm reaching out to people to appear on my podcast and they're like, oh, I know who you are. Like it's working. That's exactly the point. (laughs) Right. And when you get like personal on social media uh, and not too personal, right? But just sharing about kids, family, what you like to do, what you don't like. It's like people really feel like they know you because it's like, oh, you said you have this many kids and you do this and this and this, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that separates you apart in business, which we'll touch on all that, the importance of personal brand later. But it's like the amount of people I've talked to that are like, hey, like, I know you, you're the guy that does X. And I think that's huge and everything. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. And I still see people on LinkedIn that are like, this isn't Facebook. And it's like, well, uh, things have changed. Like maybe it's time to change your perspective a little bit. Yeah. I I feel like my most personal posts always do the best because it just kind of breaks up the norm of people resharing like company posts and all that stuff. Right. Yep. That's exactly right. Yeah. So I want to ask you like a fun question. At least I saw in your bio, you were trying to get your pilot's license. Is that, is that still going on? Like, how's that going? It is not. And I'm also like actively working to pick it back up. So I started right right before COVID. And my instructor was like this, the guy, the same guy that really like taught my dad to fly. And so, and he's 80 and COVID started. And I was like, I am not getting in a tiny plane with you and potentially getting you sick. And so I put everything on pause and 
I'll pick it back up. My dad's a pilot and I have always been really passionate about like, you know, wanting my private license and being able to give my kids the experience that he gave me when I was growing up, which was like renting, you know, like a little Cessna and cruising around Milwaukee and going to like find the roof of your house, you know, a, however many feet below. So no, no, I'm not doing it right now, but so, we'll get back to it. So did you get like a couple uh, flying hours in or, or what was mm. that like? Yeah, I did 25 hours. I was like one wow. flight away from doing my first solo when COVID started. Oh my gosh. And now I'm probably going to have to start over. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's funny. You're the second guest I've had. That's like also trying to get their pilot's license. Um, I had Trevor Cowley who runs the real business owners podcast. Oh, cool. Uh, and he runs easier accounting with Kale Goodman. And he was also like trying to get his pilot's license. So I want to like check back with both of y'all in a year and be like, all right, who's the first to get the licenses and everything, right? It'll probably be him. Not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> no, but um, I want to talk about your first business, which was the uh, the cookie business. Um, I think it's a really unique story, uh, the vegan cookie company and all that. So could you could you kind of elaborate on like getting that started, what led to it and all that stuff? Yeah, actually... My ex-husband now, is he came home one day. We were like, I mean, we got married when we were really young. We were maybe 22, 23. And he was like, I want to go get an MBA. And I was like, okay, you know, like sounds good to me. And then he came home like two days later and was like, I want to start a company instead. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, tell me more about that. And he, he had found these recipes for vegan cookies, uh, for sale on Craigslist in Buffalo, New York. Very random. He was like, I ordered some and they were the best freaking cookies I had ever had. And he, they were for sale for $7,000. This woman that owned a restaurant in Buffalo, New York was shutting the restaurant down, or maybe she was selling it. And she was like, the only thing I'm not sending with the restaurant is this cookie recipe, because I really think they're unique and they could be their own business. And I've never figured out how to do anything with it. And so he flew out there and like learned how to make them, got the recipes. We gave her $7,000, which was a whole ton of money at that time. We were like, all right, you know, like, I guess let's go for it. It's cheaper than an MBA. And then we like went about, it was supposed to be his business. It really turned into my business. Um, he did like a lot of the, you know, like the making the cookies and the like physically selling them at different stuff. But I figured out all of like the, the licensing and everything you have to do to produce food. I had no idea how complicated it was, you know, like you have to get a license in every city you even want to go to a farmer's market in and you have to produce in a licensed facility. And most places will only let you go at midnight when they're not open. And it just, it was a complex process. I swear. And unless people ask me about it, I have like blocked out that part of my life because it was so hard. I yeah. was also, I was in the process of getting an MBA at the time. And then I had my son and he was a baby during all of this. And I was working full time and you don't realize like how hard it is to like move $5 bags of cookies off the shelf, you know, because there's so many options in a grocery store. And we spent so many weekends standing at the farmer's markets, like, you know, just trying to, trying to sell cookies. We did it for two years. Yeah. Like, how did you, um, 
you said like the licensing, the manufacturing, like how did you figure all that out when it's like, you really didn't know anything? I literally Googled it. I am telling you, I, that's like where I got my, I have this mindset now that I can figure out anything. Mm. Like if you give me enough information and I have enough time to look into it, I'm sure I could figure it out. I just was like poking around all these horrid government websites, you know, like the city of Milwaukee trying to figure out what to do and I couldn't figure it out. So I just showed up at city hall and I was like, you know, like what paperwork do I need to fill out? And they helped walk me through the process. We had to get like aldermen sign off, all of this crazy stuff. I would not recommend unless you have an idea what you're doing or the time to tackle all of this, like starting a food company is really hard. Yeah. But, but I learned a ton. A yeah. Ton. Plus like I've heard that exits on some of these, like at least like the fitness industry, like protein bar companies or protein companies, like huge. So it yeah. does pay off, but like it's a logistical nightmare as you mentioned. And from what I've heard a lot as well. I was a reluctant participant and I think that changed it a little bit too. You know, it wasn't like my passionate idea. I was like, oh, I guess I'll help you start this business. And yeah, there it went. <laughs> yeah. So so did you end up like, do you have an MBA right now or? I do. Okay, yep. cool. Yep. So would you say, and like, we could probably have like 10 podcasts talk about this, but would you say like the MBA helps a lot with running a business or indifferent or like kind of what are your thoughts there? It helped me get credibility at the beginning of Excelity. Now I started, so I guess I must have been maybe 24 when we started that company because I started Excelity like two and a half years later. And being, I don't know, a 26 year old trying to build an agency, it's not, you know, people are like, who are you? What experience could you possibly have had at this point in your life to be qualified to run my marketing? And frankly, I wasn't qualified. I was very ballsy, but I was not super qualified. And I think that, well, a few things helped me. One, like looking very ambiguous as far as my age. So people couldn't figure out how old I was. Two, that I had started, like, I had some pretty legit jobs when I was in college. Like I was, run, or not running marketing, but I was doing sales and marketing at GE in college. You know, mm -hmm. like that definitely helps. Um, having kids, having kids early, people were like, oh, she must be older. Um, but then it, the MBA, the MBA also really helped. It just like added a layer of credibility. Now, when people now say, should I go get an MBA? I'm like, Hmm. I probably wouldn't do it again, looking at like the time investment and money versus the payoff. But I don't know. I mean, we're in a world now where my kids are asking me if they have to go to college. So it's a different conversation. Yeah. It's like really shifted. And it's funny you mentioned about the perception of age. I mean, I, I get that sometimes in my lens of like, Hey, like, you know, how old are your kids? How old is this? I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm 26. Like I just turned 26. Right. And, yeah. uh, it's funny too. It's like, I, I signed up for a golf tournament the other day and like, I'm talking to the guy running it and he's like, yeah, like the youngest person there will probably be like 42. So you'll, you'll fit right in. And I'm like, uh, how old do you think I am based okay. on my yeah. So it's, it's just funny. I'm sure you got that a lot too, when you first started. Mm -hmm. It's good to like, look a little ambiguous, to be honest. So yeah, you, you do too. You kind of look like you could be like 22 and you also look like you could be like my age, 36. And you're like, 
anywhere in between in that oh. in that spectrum. Yeah, great. That'll probably work in your favor, to be honest. Yeah, because if I'm like trying to build a relationship with a younger client, it'll work because I'm the same age. But if they're a bit older, it's like, hey, like I'm actually closer than you think, sort of, kind of, not really type thing. So don't say anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, so so with Accelity, right? I know you help uh, B2B SaaS companies, right? Like really scale, get their marketing down, essentially yeah. just gain market share, right? So why SaaS companies and then... Why B2B? Because I know there's also, of course, B2C and there's so many other type companies and everything too. Yeah, I that's where I really cut my teeth. And so mm. I built a company based off of my own skills, which is which is good. It's easy to start and it's bad because it's hard to scale. You know, like it's a it's a little bit of both. Um uh, so I was running marketing at a $80 million B2B software company in the insurance space, actually. And that is an area that we have now specialized in because we have the experience, like the insurance industry is, it's a wreck. There's like a million people involved, you know, um, and there's tons of new software being marketed and it's really hard to break through. So it's a great place for us. Um, and I learned all of that, you know, in my twenties when I was working at SciWave. Yeah, I used to I used to work at Allstate, um, and that was just like a mess with policies and keeping track mm-hmm. of A, B, C, D. Uh, w- what learning lessons would you say you experienced just in the earlier days of corporate that you've maybe implemented now into your business and everything? Hmm. Corporate. I don't, I feel like everyone that leaves corporate is like, oh, screw corporate. Yeah. I'm done with that. And I'm like, mm. Corporate had some not great things about it. And I mean, there was, if we want to talk about really not great things, there was, there was like sexism. There were terrible things that I experienced. And it's also like, I got a lot of opportunity and I was never afraid to like stand up for myself and speak up for myself. But that said, I have learned lessons and taken things that I did like, like the company that I was working at was very early to flexible scheduling and like that was fantastic because it's like, oh, great. Well, my my employees have almost no rules around their schedules, but um, that's something that I was able to take over. And then there are some things that I experienced that I didn't like that I brought into my company. Um, like it was a very male dominated environment, especially being the female head of marketing. My whole team was women and almost all the salespeople were, were men. Um, it was very hard to like gain credibility, to gain buy-in for ideas. And now I have, I think I have two men on my entire team. Um, and so it's all women and I'm teaching them like, you know, with, with our male stakeholders, this is how you stand up for yourself. This is how you have hard conversations with them. This is how you negotiate. This is how you ask for raises or whatever. So many people in the company come and they're like, I, Every time I got a raise when I was in corporate, I was like, thank you. I would like more money. And now my team does that to me all the time. And I'm like, good for you. I think it's fantastic. So, you know, there were, there were good and every opportunity, I think there's good and there's bad and there's learnings. So I've never had a job that I'm just like, oh, that was the worst experience in my life. I'm like, it all makes for good stories now. That's for sure. Yeah. Even at the time when you're in the job, you're like, if you don't like it, you're like, ah, oh, this sucks, blah, blah, blah. But like, you're going to yeah. be a couple years on the road. Like, you know what? Like I learned X, Y, and Z. And then this happened, this happened. And you have stories to tell. And you have some chances to build relationships too, which is huge. 
Yeah. So many of the relationships that I built at SciWave have like paid off a million times over in a way that I never would have expected. Actually, when I joined SciWave, the president of the company was like the first intern they ever hired that built the product. And I just kept trying to like make myself visible to him. And like, I'd run into him in the elevator. I would talk to him all the time about different random things. Um, I just tried to get in front of him all the time. And he ended up personally offering to pay for part of my MBA to retain me within the company because I literally just like barged and tried to get in front of him. And now he owns a consulting business that refers us business, which is just so freaking cool. Like these decisions that you make early on can really pay in a big way, you know? Yeah, that's huge because like, I think a lot of times people in their first jobs are like, oh, like it's my first job for a few years. I'm never going to see these people again. But like literally this guy's referring you like crazy. That's awesome. Yeah, that is absolutely not true. I try to, I mean, I definitely have no hesitations of like, if I think a relationship or a business relationship isn't working of like removing that, but I try to stay on like good terms with, with everyone. I hate a, a grudge or anything like that. And it's like, you know, you kind of never know how, how, how you treat people is going to come back to you. And it always does. Yeah. Growing up, like when you were in college or even younger, did you have some aspirations? Like, Hey, one day I want to start my own thing. Or was it just kind of happen chance of how it worked and everything? It, I really did not uh, looking back. I definitely had the tendencies, right? Like Mm. I always like to pave my own way much to everyone else's dismay. You know, like my coaches were always annoyed because I was like, what about this idea? Or we should do this. And like cheerleading in any sport I played, um, you know, I'm sure I was a beast to parent too. Well, I know I was because my parents <laughs> still remind me of that. Um, so it's like looking back, I know I had those traits, but I didn't have the dream at that mm. point. Um, I'm the first person in my family that went to college and my parents were both like, let's make sure that you like get what you want in life by going to college and like getting a stable job. And like when I joined G was like, the happiest day of my dad's life up until that point, you know, because he was like, amazing. What a great company for you to grow within. And I mean, I liked working at GE. I feel like I could probably still be there right now if it had worked out in that way. Um, But no, I didn't have that dream until much later. And then I wish I like would have recorded my parents' reactions when I was like, I'm going to start a vegan cookie company. I took my dad to a Chinese restaurant to tell him that we were going to start a vegan cookie company. And he was like, well, he like almost spit his food on the table. He oh. was like, you what? Like, this is not what I taught you. Um, now he's very supportive now. I don't want to make him sound bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'm sure. Wait, what, why Chinese? Was that just like how it happened or... Because he loves Chinese food. Yeah. I don't know. I was like, let me butter him up uh-huh. before I give him information that he's not going to like. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, so a question on that. What would you suggest to maybe one of the listeners out there, right? That like just started their own business, but like maybe their yeah. parents aren't all about it, but it's like they know they want to do it, but they don't want to, you know, destroy that relationship. Like, what did you do in that situation? I feel like... You know, what did I do? I was like, well, too bad I'm doing it anyway. So support me or get out of my way, you know, and I could have been a lot more tactful in that situation. I think now 
I know that it's really important to understand why people react the way that they do. Mm. Like my parents didn't react the way that they did because they thought it was a terrible idea and that I was going to fail. I mean, I am so dang stubborn. Like I'll work my butt off to succeed at anything I try. Um, And they knew that, you know, so I don't think they thought I was going to like end up on the street or something. But I think that it's like their own personal fears that were coming into it and like the instability that they felt and their struggles to make the kind of money that they wanted and Mm. whatever else. And I was putting myself in a situation where I was going to feel those, you know, so, and I think they were worried about me. Like, I think often when people react poorly to things, it comes from a place of love and sometimes it doesn't even have anything to do with you, right? Mm. That their reactions did not have much to do with me. It had everything to do with them. And so even having a conversation with them, if I could go back, I would have been like, you know, I completely understand why you're scared 100%. And I also know, you know, that I can succeed at this and here are my plans if it doesn't go well, you know, like here are the things I'm thinking about. I think that would have eased a lot of their fears, but I definitely at, at that age was not mature enough to have that conversation at all. Yeah, no, that, that definitely comes with time. And, and like, uh, I don't know if you read Crucial Conversations. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So that book talks about that, uh, yep. which is a great book. So that, that's cool. I'm glad you mentioned that because like a lot of times people worry about you, parents, significant others, et cetera, but it's like they're coming from from a certain place and why they're doing it and everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I ended up having to have some hard conversations with people about yeah. like, you know, I, I'll hear you out on your fears a couple times. And beyond that, I don't want to be doubted every time we talk. Mm. And, you know, I think if you can have really frank conversations with people, just like, let me give me the space to either succeed or fail, but I can't do either of those things when you're badgering me about it. And when people badger you about things or they're constantly doubting you or whatever, it doesn't, you don't stop doing it. You just stop telling them about it. So it just hurts your relationship, you know? So I've learned a lot in, because I most certainly, uh, I was on the phone with a guy that I knew in college right before this call. And he was like, oh, if people had known you 10 years ago. And I was like, mm-hmm. I know I've, I've learned a lot. So this is all advice to everyone. So maybe you can learn before me or sooner than me. Yeah. No, it's funny how like much can change, right. In, in five, 10 years. I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm similar boat with some things on my end too. It's like, wait, you were doing this five years ago and now you're doing this. Like what the heck? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, a lot, a lot can change in that. So Going back a little bit, uh, I know your company zero to seven figures, right? Uh, something super cool about that in the world of like VC angel investors, at least on your LinkedIn, you said no funding, right? So yeah. what was that like? I read some stuff about, you know, a duplex and selling your car. Like, was that like, I don't know. Yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. Cause I think people are like kind of scared to make sacrifices, but it's like necessary if you want to grow. Right. Yeah, I very much had to like give my ego a smackdown when I when I started the company and when I quit like I was still working my full-time job when I started this company and mm. when I quit it to try to do this full-time like I had to make some sacrifices. I didn't have like 6 months of money socked away to be able to like pay for for my life and Uh, I mean, looking at things like moving into, I bought a duplex that was a short sale. It, it, it was just hideous. Like the, it was crooked and it, the foundation had been like, 
I can't remember what it's called where they put like metal into the ground to like stabilize the foundation, but that doesn't mean it wasn't crooked anymore. So it's like you walk in the door and it flies open really fast because the house is absolutely crooked. And it was just like, I don't know. It it was not a cute place, but it was $100,000 and it had a three bedroom lower, a two bedroom upper, a finished attic that we ended up like moving the door out. So that became part of the, the mm. upper unit and getting it zoned and all that good stuff. But like, I was like, okay, there's a lot of potential here if we can just do some stuff with this place. And the mortgage on a hundred grand is not a ton of money. So being able to rent out that second half of it completely paid for the mortgage. And it was like, okay, well now I have to make less to break even and like pay my bills. So it makes the situation less scary. That's the same thing with, I had a pretty nice car and we got rid of it and got a, a really terrible, it was like seafoam green Camry. It was just like on the lot and it was like four, $4,500. And it was like, I guess we'll take it, but it's a real blow to your ego when you're like working in corporate, start to make a certain amount of money. I think I had gotten up to like 65K or something by that time. And then I was like, oh God, do I really have to do all of this? It was not exciting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I totally get that. Cause especially like once you start making more money in corporate, you're like, ah, like I want to start my own thing, but like now I'm going to have to go back to like entry level salary or below that. Mm-hmm. probably below that, like intern level salary to, to build this company and everything. Right. I think I probably made like 30 some thousand dollars yeah. my first year. It was not pretty. I didn't know what I was doing, but yeah. So survived. When, when you were like at the 30 K when people were like, Oh, like Jackie, I haven't seen you in a year. Like, how's your business going? Would you be like, it's going awesome. Like, or were you like, yeah, we're building like I'm oh, sure. You, yeah. yeah. It's way easier to tell the truth later. You know, yeah. like it's, it's very hard to, I would definitely not have had the guts to get on LinkedIn and like tell mm. stories like I do now, even though, I mean, when I started on LinkedIn, had we hit a million dollars yet? Uh, even if we had hit a million dollars, we were not in a super great place financially. Like we hadn't figured out our hiring. We had turnover. We were losing clients. You know, we like had no cash and it was like, cool, I'm going to get on LinkedIn and talk about all these stories and everyone's going to think I'm all successful. And here I am like kind of broke, you know? So it's like, it takes a while, I think, to get the guts to be able to tell those stories. Yeah. How, how, I think we talked about this on like the comments the other day. Like, how did you break that imposter syndrome and everything? I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I still have it. I yeah. mean, I, I have it in a different way now though. Right. So it's like, I don't feel like an imposter about the same things that I used to, mm. but now I feel like an imposter about different things. Mm. And I suspect I always will. I honestly was telling my husband last night, like, I feel like I'm like, have you read the big leap? Uh, no, no, I haven't. Check it out. It's a good book. He talks about hitting your upper limit and like what it feels like when you've reached the upper limit of what you are like physically and mentally prepared for. And I feel like I'm kind of at that time right now where like I've grown a company to this point and I've somehow like pushed and shoved my way to where we got. And it's been freaking hard every step of the way. Like there has been no break presented, unfortunately. Now, and I don't know that there ever is, you know, but now I'm like, I'm starting 
starting to feel like scared. I'm starting to, I'm having trouble sleeping. I'm like really worried. I'm like, I'm like, should I keep doing this? Should I quit right now? And it's like, and I look at what's in front of me and everything is going exactly the way it should better than ever, but I'm still feeling like that. And Mm. it's because I'm like hitting my upper limit and I need to re-educate myself. I need to get new skills. I need to meet new people. I get need to get comfortable at that next level, whatever it is. And so I feel imposter syndrome every freaking day right now. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's interesting. I think, you know, the skills, the habits, the routines, the behaviors that got you to level X aren't going to get you to level Y, right? It's like constantly changing those things. That's why you see companies that yank out their CEO when they get to a certain mm. size because the person that, you know, got to a million dollars and the person that can get to five is and the person that get, can get to 10. And if you want to stay in that position, you have to become the person to get to one, two, five, ten, whatever the number, you know, and beyond. But it's it's not just you can't be the same person and get to those new goals. It's not yeah. possible. So it's like constantly evolving, right? Is what you're saying? Seriously, like yeah. all the time. Yep. What, um, along those lines, I mean, what are like some like newer habits, newer skills, stuff that you're just trying to like knock out right now to, I guess, get to that next level, like you mentioned? Yeah, I think one is surrounding myself with the right people is huge. I recently, I've always wanted like a dinner club and, you know, like, you know, you have those people that are like still really tight with their friends from college and they get together once a month and host a dinner. And it's like, I'm like, how do you get that? Like, that looks pretty cool. Well, I decided to make one and I selected a few couple friends that it, that are in Milwaukee that like they have one just started a new um a new fund. He's an author. He worked at Google Ventures. Um, him and his wife moved to Milwaukee like a couple of years ago. And I legitimately fangirled him on Twitter and was like, I read your book. I would love to meet you. Um, another is like this couple that one is running an HR start or HR startup. Um, and her husband is like working at a web three company and is always like working on new ideas. And, um, and another is like two people that have been very involved in the startup community community in Milwaukee, one's working to like develop the next generation of talent. And it's like, I looked at all of these people and was like, these are the kind of people that I need to be around to get to the next stage. They have big ideas. They execute on it. They're not scared of, you know, like getting to, to that next level. So I think who you surround yourself with is absolutely huge. What else am I doing? Oh God, trying to manage my day-to-day stress right now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I would say, Um, which I hate the word stress because I feel like it's a veil for like all the other things, you know, Mm -hmm. like, are you stressed or are you overwhelmed? Are you scared? I think that is a big thing that like, if I feel fear, it's buried, you know, under like six other emotions and just working to like make sure I really know myself and I know what I need to do next. Going to therapy is a huge thing. I'm going to therapy tonight and I'm freaking pumped about it because my therapist is the best. She's so non-judgy and she just like, she's so easy to talk to and ask me questions that I'm like, hmm, like, did I react right in that situation? Or what is it about that part of myself? Like, where did that come from? And what can I do to improve that? It helps with my personal relationships. It helps with my business relationships and it helps me become a better leader and a better person. 
Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that too. I think, I mean, just a therapist gen, uh, in general, um, is, is super important to go to. And I think just answering those questions, like to generate self-awareness is, is key. Um, like why did I react this way or why am I feeling this way? It's like, that's how you develop into a bigger, better, like frankly, more badass version of yourself too. Right. Yeah, man. And it's really hard to look at yourself. Like I, when I got divorced four or so years ago now, Mm. um, I went through a very long period of self-reflection because uh, it was like the first time I wasn't with anyone, like kids, spouse, anyone for half of the week, every week. And I was just sitting alone, like, like, what am I doing with my life? Like, who am I? And it, not only who am I now, but who do I want to be? It's an excellent chance to, to look at everything I believe about the world and myself and consider whether I want to continue believing those things and being that person. So I feel like since then I've been in like a major, you know, not self-improvement, but just like self-examination. Yeah. Process. Yeah. I did like a solo trip and some of the listeners have heard me talk about this, but I did a solo like two day trip in the mountains and just like answered all those questions. And like, it was awesome. No phone did dinner Mm -hmm. by myself. Like I'm super extroverted. So like I have to be around people, but I was like, you know what? Like no phone dinner by myself, hike by myself. Um, and like, I came back from that trip. So amped up, um, Mm -hmm. because I learned so much about myself. So that's beautiful. I love that. Most people would never go without their phone. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I use it to like get to the restaurant. Right. And then like get to the hike. But then like, as soon as I got there, like off in the car, um, yeah. all that stuff. But, uh, but yeah, like I, I also did a week as a camp counselor in uh, college and like, you weren't allowed to have your phone out there. And mm-hmm. like, it felt so weird for like a day, right. Not like picking mm-hmm. it up every 10 minutes, but like the freeing feeling of no phone after a day is just incredible. Mm-hmm. I have, so I, turned off all of my notifications on my phone. So I only get notified if I get a text or I have a call coming in. And I deleted all of my social media except LinkedIn, which I buried in folders. And I deleted my email and Slack. And it's like my phone, I and I'm not perfect. I re-download yeah. these things probably, you know, a couple times a week where I'm like, oh, I need my email for something. Or I'm like, oh, what's happening on Slack? Does someone need me? But it's like, getting rid of that feeling of just constantly, now I pick up my phone and I'm like, there's nothing to do here. Great. You know, and like, I can put it back down because there's nothing to mindlessly scroll. There's nothing to check on. And the business hasn't suffered and no one, like there have been no major fires because I'm not there responding to people 24 seven. It has helped my mental health a lot. Yeah, that's cool. So message out there to those listening, like try that. I've, I've done that to an extent. I haven't done the deleting social media, but like I've done the email and like, yeah, I, I feel a big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, you said LinkedIn, like that's still in your phone. I know you're big on LinkedIn. You've been doing it for a while. So can you talk about like how your personal brand has like exploded your business and the importance of it? Cause I think a lot of people like don't really realize how important personal brand is and everything. I, my personal brand is the main contributor to getting my business where it is now. Um, we, like, I, I mean, I told you a little bit about where we were when I got started on LinkedIn and I was like, ugh, I do not want to be one of those people on LinkedIn that is like pretending like everything's amazing and telling all my business lessons when I'm struggling myself. And so I didn't go out and like 
preach. I just went out and talked and was like, here is, you know, here are the lessons I've learned. Here's what I'm going through. I think my first viral post was about getting divorced and mm. like what it's like as a woman to get divorced and how weird everyone's reactions were. Like my name changed and people were like, oh, did you get married? Congratulations. And I, and I would respond divorced, but thank you. And then they were so, they were like, oh my God, I'm so, you know, like so weird about it. And it's like, dude, 50% of America goes through this and it doesn't have to be like a taboo thing. And anytime I talk about it on LinkedIn, people are like, oh my God, I'm going through this and it just feels so weird. And I don't want to have to explain you know, to people, whatever. So I just, I think I took a little bit of a different approach that you kind of still see now that it's not, you know, I'm not out talking about marketing all the time and I don't want to talk about marketing all the time, even though I own a marketing agency and I love marketing. I'm very passionate about it, but I'm also very passionate about a lot of other things. So I'm just kind of there like telling my stories and meeting people and getting to know them. And that has just exploded our company. Um, over a quarter of my company's all-time revenue is directly attributed to LinkedIn. Wow. And that doesn't account for all the other help that LinkedIn gives, you know, like if one of my, or someone on my sales team reaches out to someone and they're like, oh, I know who Excelity is. Well, that's because of the marketing we do and the personal brand. Um, I mean, we're a pretty small company, you know, we've got 20 employees. We're not the hugest business by any means. And so the fact that we have the level of awareness that we do, that's all attributed to personal branding, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And you said the revenue that extra revenue came from probably LinkedIn, right? To build that personal brand and everything. Yep, absolutely. And wow. it's just, it's not only, I mean, it's new leads generated from LinkedIn. It speeds up the sales process. It also like people that I've met in past lives, they'll see my stuff on LinkedIn and be like, oh yeah, I meant to, you know, like I got a new job. I should go hit up Jackie or we have this, we should go hit up Jackie. Um, it just, it helps a lot. Yeah, yeah. Like I've met people that work at my wife's company, like if they have like a company happy hour and they're like, dude, you're the guy that posts that on LinkedIn. Like I saw that in my algorithm or in my newsfeed. I'm like, yeah. Yep. And then it like instantly establishes some rapport because they saw a post from me like three months ago and everything. And it, it establishes rapport and it also establishes like a level of credibility mm -hmm. that you may not have otherwise. Like I, like we just talked about imposter syndrome. I did not feel super credible. Still, sometimes I like hit posts and I'm like, do, um, what authority yeah. do I have to talk about this stuff? You know? And so I think it really, it does establish like a level of respect when you start a company. As like a marketing expert, how, how did you get like, I think you have like what, 90 or hundred thousand followers. I mean, that's, that's a big number on LinkedIn. That's like a million on Instagram, you know, with, with how LinkedIn is. So like, how did you get that? Um, I mean, I don't want to say it was dumb luck at the beginning, yeah. but it, it very much helped to be one of the early people to the LinkedIn video platform. Mm -hmm. And like the numbers that I saw then, I don't see now. I'm so like tainted by that now. Cause I'll see like, Oh, 5,000 views. And I'm like, what? You know, like it's ridiculous. Um, it is a process of one consistency is mm -hmm. extremely important. I've seen a lot of people that take like their few months off from posting and then they just don't have the reach that they do anymore. Like the algorithm is not favoring them. And that is 
really sucky when you put in a bunch of work. I have thought about taking time off a million times in the last few years. And I'm like, no, I'm going to keep going. Even if it's tweaking and reposting content that has worked before, even if it's just, you know, like whatever is in my mind, like a few short sentences about something, just keep going and be consistent. And then it's really like making sure that you know what works. Like I know that there are three types of posts that work really, really well for me right now. And so I make sure that I sprinkle those in all the time. They're like the longer storytelling posts that I put out in my weekly letter. I post those every week and they go like semi-viral usually. Um, list list posts are doing really well right now, which is so random. Everyone's like, oh, here are four ways to do this. What would you add as number five? I put up like some post about entrepreneurship not being as sexy as you think it is. And it got like 2,500 likes or something last week. And I was like, this is not what I expected, honestly, but great. So yeah. like tracking all of that and making sure that you know <clears throat> like what metrics you're looking for and what indicates success to you. And anytime we get inbound leads that are like, oh, we saw you on LinkedIn. I'm like, what post did you see? Because I would love to know, like, how long ago did you follow me? And mm. what post did you see? And why reach out to me? Um, you know, there are a lot of people talking about B2B software marketing on LinkedIn. Like, what made you reach out to me? I think it's because I'm not out preaching about marketing 24-7. I'm letting people get to know me and my struggles and my wins and my losses because they have the same, a lot of the same experience. And then they're like, oh, I like her. I should reach out to her. It's, it's different. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally agree. And I, uh, I need to get on that level of like tracking, like what's working really well, rather than just being like, oh, like this is cool to post. And, and like, it's so weird too. Like I had a video today it had like 15 likes, uh, like 20 comments, but it only had like a couple hundred views versus the other day I had a video that had like five likes, three comments, but it had like 3000 views. And I'm like, what? Like, it's, it's so weird it's how it works. It's so you know? weird. Um, do you use shield? Uh, no, but I know like that guy's hit me up a few times. Is that is that what you use for a lot of it's that like stuff? It's like $25 a month. Like oh, it's really cheap. Yeah. And it gives you all of the data that you need to know what's successful, your engagement rates, all of that good stuff. That really helps us understand what's successful. Yeah. Hang on one second. My kids are talking right outside the door. I was like, hey. I'm busy. <laughs> no, you're good. Hold on. Hold on one more second. Okay. I'm back. Cool. No, you're good. You're good. I just wrote down like the time frame that it did that so I can let my audio uh, engineer know here. Mm -hmm. um, no, so I, I was, I want to ask what, from a business perspective, like what are some good, uh, B2B SaaS company, like what makes a good one? Not just like the marketing side, but I know there's a ton of them out there, right? Tons. What makes a good one is one, making sure that there's a really solid need for your product. I feel like half of the people that start companies are like, oh, I think this is a good idea. And they're like, let's go do it. Like every single time we've worked with a company that it was like, there are few competitors or they're kind of creating a new, a new category or a new space. Those are really fun 
to work on because it's like, great, you get to go out and create the need for this product and tell people why what they're doing right now sucks or is the wrong thing to do, how much time and money they're wasting. And those, those make us really valuable because, you know, like they really need marketing, but they're fun because they're winning. We've also worked with lots of startups that are like kind of struggling and that is, it's stressful for everyone involved, you know, and when you're entering a really, really crowded market, I mean, there has to be some element of luck involved for you to stand out for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, last question on business. And then I want to make sure you can highlight your stuff. Um, where like, did you figure out your pricing? Um, not, not that it's like good or bad. Right. But like, I've thought of different ideas and I'm like, I have no idea like how to price this service and stuff. Right. I mean, mostly trial and error. I think Mm. the first, the first price I published was like $50 an hour. And it was just, it was just me, you know, and I had zero confidence and I was like, all right, well, let's see if people will pay for this. We actually have one client still that started at that rate. And every year we're like, you got to pay us more because we're doing cooler stuff for you. And they get it. But it's like, I mean, the first, we publish our pricing on our website. The first set of packages that I published started at like $2,500 it's really dang hard to grow a company with $2,500 a month, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we have just slowly been increasing and increasing and you have to up your strategy and the level of talent that you have and how you execute and your reporting Mm -hmm. in order to increase that pricing. If I were you or anyone that is trying to figure out a pricing strategy right now, I would like get a sample of... I don't know, however many companies that you compete against or have complimentary products or services and go and find their pricing Um, or interview them. I guarantee Mm -hmm. plenty of people would be willing to like spend 10 minutes and ask them that same question. You know, like, how'd you figure out how to price? I think for most people, it's like kind of a guessing game. Also customer interviews, like what Mm -hmm. is this worth to you? If I charge this much, you know, what would would you pay for it? And what would you need to know in order to determine like that there's an ROI or that there's value here to continue paying for it? Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. I I like what you said about the research component too, like in just researching competitors and uh, the $50 an hour, like uh, OG customer, that'd be hilarious if like you were still like having that rate for, for this client and everything. Right. Yeah. He still is like a little bit lower than our standard yeah. rate now because we've laddered him. They've been with us for seven years, wow. eight year, eight years. And so we've just laddered them up over time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, well that that's loyalty right there. That's really cool. Yeah. They're amazing. Um, so yeah. Where can people connect to you? I mean, LinkedIn obviously. Right. And then like, where can people learn more? What do you have coming up that you want to share and all that? Yeah. LinkedIn is the spot. Best way to get a hold of me for sure. I'm in the DMs in there responding to people every day. There's tons of information on my website too, JackieHermes.com. I have a course and I have my Mm -hmm. podcast there. Um, Definitely check out the podcast. It's three 10 minute episodes a week, which I, I did that because people's commutes went away largely. And it's like, that's when I was that's when I was listening to my podcasts. And so just making them like really short tidbits are like, you know, you can walk around your house and listen to something like that. So what else? Do I have anything else to plug? I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> have you, are you, have you ever thought about a book? 
I, I totally have. And it's like, I feel like I have so many stories now. And I think if I wait another 10 or 15 years, it could be really, really good. You yeah. know, like I want it to just be the most legit book you've ever read. I'm extremely competitive also, clearly. So you're like, <laughs> this not, has got to be number ready. one. Like, yeah. yeah, I'm not ready yet. When I do something like that, I want to be able to put a lot of time and energy into it to make sure it performs really well. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, hey, thank you so much for hopping on. This was a great time. And uh, you said a lot of good value for all the listeners out there as well. Thank you. I loved it. Well, that's it, everyone. Thanks again for taking the time to tune into this week's episode of Next Level Minds. Be sure to connect with Jackie on LinkedIn. Her information will be below in the description of the podcast. And other than that, I hope everyone has a fantastic week ahead.